We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Thursday night. Got Britt Robson of The Athletic back from vacation joining me tonight. Britt, I don't know, last time we did a pod maybe like a week ago. At least, yeah. At least a week, maybe 10 days. And it feels like nothing has happened in that time, but they did make a trade. At, at that time period, it feels, yeah. again, like forever ago that they traded Ricky Rubio right. for Torian Prince in the second round pick. Uh, I guess we can get a lot of get into a lot of stuff looking forward here, too. But but also, I haven't talked to you at all about right. the, the Rubio-Prince right. yeah, trade. Uh, so, where we, haven't, we haven't talked since the podcast. We've exchanged uh, notations online, but nothing, not that much direct. I, couple I would, a couple of notations. <laughs> right. Uh, you know... I think most people are surprised at the lack of glamour in the Rubio return. Um, you know, I think people at first were crossing their fingers thinking it was some kind of four-dimensional chest. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, and, and you know, there were glimmers. Hand-raised, hand-raised there. They, they created some money, you know, to work with. And Torin Prince is not chopped liver. He's very obscure given you know his time in the league he's just somebody you don't notice on the court uh very much sometimes that's a good thing most of the time it's not a good thing um but that was their chip unless they were going to break up their core uh rubio easily in that core uh yeah i mean i am i i guess uh beasley is the logical guy going forward you could see how beasley is a part of this team for the next two or three years i don't think you could see how rubio was a part of this team the next two or three years so that's why i guess what i mean by the core um and we as we've discussed before let's face it in the dynamic modern nba three years from now you know with a notable exception of anthony edwards you can't guarantee anybody on this roster well technically both three years from now both anthony edwards and carl anthony towns are free agents Yes, but I mean, uh, that, that means they renounced, they renounced yeah. Edwards. You know. <laughs> That's where we really burned it up. Well, okay, so I, I'll walk you through 
as somebody who did play a little bit of four dimensional chess with this in my own head, sure. as it, as it was going through, um, I mean, what stood out to me as, as that trade happened immediately was, all right, it's two expiring contracts. Rubio's is for 17.8 million princes for 13 million. So the, the obvious quote unquote benefit there, I thought was that a team that is pinned up against the luxury tax has now freed $5 million that they can spend. And um, depending how many dimensions you want to get into, like right, that right. can, that can either be, you know, for free agents, it can be to take money back in a trade, or I think most logically and simply that creates money to be able to bring back Jared Vanderbilt that they didn't previously have. They mm-hmm. were before that trade. They only have $3 million below the tax. I think we assume that Vanderbilt's going to get a little bit more than that. So without the trade creating extra space, you couldn't bring back Jared Vanderbilt without going into the tax, right? Without some sort of trade that cuts space. Right. So that's the first thing I notice when I see that. I'm like, this to me signals something in the way of using space, plus the added benefit of they got a second round pick. Right. So Rubio hasn't been a dump at all. And right there in that vacuum for me, even though I think Rubio is a better player than Torian Prince, that's two discernible positives that in a vacuum make me go, well, this isn't a bad trade at all. Yeah, it's not a bad trade. It's just that um, in the realm of possibilities of what you might imagine Rubio being able to fetch, um, it's not a great value trade. Uh, but that may just be that Rubio, That's more opportunity cost. Rubio is perceived to be perhaps more valuable than he is, you know, in the market. I don't know. I do know that, you know, there is the Anthony Edwards, you know, buddy dividend. And, you know, th- there's something to that. You've heard me not give a, a lot of, uh, you know, value to that. But there is some value to that. Um, and we won't know. I mean, you know, if Anthony Edwards is unhappy 40 games into the season, and, and says that he, he misses having Ricky around, then that would be something. But more to the point, if I'm looking for positives out of what happened, I think that this is a standby trade. I think this is one of the things where some of the last shoes that have to drop in the NBA are going to be dropping in the next week to 10 days. And I think the Wolves want to get in as a third team somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see how that could perhaps, you know, open up. They have space to take a player that somebody else may not be able to take. Right. And, you know, I mean, let's say Sam Presti, a lot of general managers are really good at this, as you know. I mean, you, where you, uh, you need to make salaries match and – there are really high powered people involved. And then there's a guy who you're throwing in at $10 million because he fits right. and he's a, he's a decent player, but he doesn't really fit your $10 million window. Well, if you give him to the wolves, you know, and get back, say, you know, at the second round or something just to make it work. I can see that happening with, I don't know what player it will be. And I don't even know if that it's, it's a primary motivation, but I do think, well, it's not a possibility. That that's what I'm saying. When you when yeah. you cut that right. open, right, or cut open more space, you can now trade. If you want to say like Malik, if you want to trade Malik Beasley, you can now trade him for a twenty million dollar player. 
previously right. we were talking about it probably had to be a 15 million dollar same price yes point. that's so, a good point right it, you know, it's, it's that sort of stuff yes and that is true and and i notice he you you are saying with the 20 million um that you're already factoring in the vanderbilt costs you think they'll probably match for vanderbilt as long as it's not ridiculous and what do that's you what think hearing what do you think of for vanderbilt five See, See, that's the thing. I, I feel like nobody. I don't. I don't have a good idea of it. Right, I feel like you right. don't have a good idea of it. Right. I've talked to other people. I've talked to like other people on the league. Like I, I don't know. It's hard because he's one of the. I feel like every time I, I talk to people about anybody on the Timberwolves, even the guys who have kind of flashed as nice, the thing you always hear back is, "Well, they did it on one of the worst teams in the league. How much does how much does that?" But I and and I know you're shaking your head over there, um, but. I do think that's a lot of the way other GMs factor that in or other league executives factor that in, whether we're talking about Nas Reed, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, what have you. And I think Vanderbilt's particularly bizarre because like his defensive efficiency numbers are insane. Yeah. Like in, insanely good. And so I think the question becomes if you're another team wanting to offer him or the Wolves wanting to match or offer him whatever – you have to ask yourself, all right, so this defensive metric tells me Jared Vanderbilt is a 98th percentile defender in the league. Well, we know Jared Vanderbilt is not a 98th percentile defender in the right. league. But is he a 58th percentile defender or is he a 78th percentile defender in, right. in actuality? And, and, and having that sort of conversation, I think, really informs how much you, know, you are willing to pay him or what, what they land on there will be. So that's a very long way of me saying – Four million? I don't know. I right. mean, something five million. The well, the little here, bit more than the what, layman deal. Here's what I would say: um, If, as many people say, and I mostly agree with this, defense is about effort, then yeah. Vanderbilt has a very high floor because yep. Vanderbilt will give you 94 feet of effort. I mean, Vanderbilt is the kind of guy who can contest a contested rebound because he's contesting it. In other words, bottle up a team, jam up transition because they don't have the rebound secured or when they whirl around to start the dribble up the court, he's in front of that guy. And it doesn't cost him at the other end because he's back on defense in time to get his man. I mean, that's a defensive skill that comes to just pure sheer, sheer hustle. Now, are there times when his incredible hustle gets him in trouble against smart offenses. You know, I think he can be backdoored. I think he can be picked by putting himself in a position to get picked off pretty easily. There are things about the, the way he plays that uh, can hurt him on defense, but I would also say he has a contagion to his energy as well. And so I think, you know, I don't know what the numbers are with cat, but it always seemed like he played really well with cat on the floor. Yep. And it was um, 107. Cat and Vanderbilt, I believe, was 107 defensive rating, whereas Cat and McDaniels was 117. Yeah. And, is, and some of that is size, too. Let's face it. Yeah. I think it's pretty well established that Cat plays better when he's not totally having to be involved with um, protecting the rim and being yeah. a classic big. So, um, which is all to say that your point is well taken that if they're going to lose that kind of player, um, that um, that's, that is a cost. And that is something that would make the Rubio trade a more favorable look for the Timberwolves. Because I do think there's a possibility 
that there is a team that may offer him like two for 14 or something, you know? Yeah, I could, I could see it. And, and think, go ahead. I, I think what's interesting is, is how this free agency is kind of playing out is uh, we're on a different schedule, right? In, right. in terms of free agency and how the, how this normally goes, we got the draft bang. We're right into, right, right into the off season and, and how the off season is kind of proving to have three steps to it. The first of which is signings mm-hmm. of, of right, right, unrestricted free agents or mostly unrestricted free agents or big right. name free agents, and and that you know that's all played out. A couple of trades have been inspired by that. But for the most part, that's step one. Step two is this restricted free agency bubble, which we're about to hit right. here on Friday. That's when you'll see a Lauren Markkinen deal go down. He's a restricted free agent. Right. I'd assume, you know, to that end, that's probably where, you know, Jayden, Vanderbilt. I mean, and, yeah, right, yeah, right. Jared Vanderbilt's in the mix sure. and McLaughlin is there too. And then right. I think the third chapter of the offseason is trades, mm-hmm. um, the trade market. Right. And, and you know, I guess depending on people's cynicism level, um, you know, they think it's me being like, oh, there's, there's still a chance for the Wolves to do something here. Right. But, which I, I, don't, I don't know, but what I, what I will say is what Gerson Rosas has said all along is we're focused on that third chapter, you know, mm-hmm. improving right. this team via the trade market and has, you know, pretty much telegraphed from the beginning that that first chapter of just signing free agents they're not going to be a part of one because they're Minnesota two because they have no roster spots or salary cap space. So it's not totally shocking that they've done nothing. I think it's frustrating mm-hmm. to a lot of, to a lot of the fan base, but, um, and, and maybe a little bit surprising that nothing has happened, like not even a minimum guy or something like that, or a salary top. So you know, but well, you, you know, I this think is the window. I actually think that um, people need to start regarding Rosas for the things he does right, they ought to pay attention to what he does right. You know, McKinley Wright, I have no idea whether McKinley Wright will be good, but I do know that this guy's track record, Rosas, I'm talking about now, yeah. of grabbing a guy right after the smoke is clearing. He's really good at that. And this guy, I've you know, I've watched some of his tape, and, you know, we heard Blair the other day, you know, raving about him, uh, needing to be prompt to rave about him, but uh, raving about him. And so I think that maybe it may just be that McKinley Wright will, if not this year, next year, be a viable backup point guard in this league. Right. And, and, and let's say they bought a pick and got him at 39 or something. Then everybody mm-hmm. going, well, at least we got the second, you know, we yeah. got a second round. You know, I mean, let's pay attention to who the people are rather than when they come. And so um, I actually kind of enjoyed, I enjoyed the McKinley Wright signing. Uh, who knows? You know, I mean, I don't, you yeah. know, you, my track record with collegians isn't very good anyway, but. Uh, I watched him play at the Pro-Am the other night. Oh, he okay. Played. What do you, what do you think? He, uh, him and Josh Okogi actually played on the same team. Oh, um, okay. Which was, so that's why I went. And yeah. uh, it's funny. Cause I'd also like watched a, a good amount of his tape and so he's really short. Like he's right. Yeah, six he's feet. six. Yeah, it looks shorter than that in person. Uh-huh. Um, I I was kind of, you know, expecting a little bit more offensively of your your classic instigator as an offensive player and defensively kind of being a little fire hydrant, right? That is is right. kind of hard to move. And he's playing in the you know pro am whatever. Right. But you know when you could sit there courtside and watch a guy shoot, 
uh, I, I put value in that. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's why I knew Jared Culver would be a terrible shooter uh, a week into his time he was on the Timberwolves. Right. Um, and and I was like, oh, this, this, I mean, this kid has a confident stroke, mechanically, you know, mechanically sound. And I think when you're talking about six foot guys like that, you got to check a lot of boxes, right, yeah. to, sur to survive in the league. And, you know, if if the shot is open as being one of those one of those boxes, I think I think that's a you know, that's a big encouraging sign, along with to, to your point about Rosas, he has a good track record in, you know, in this in this vein from, you know, Nas Reed to Jordan McLaughlin, even Keelan Martin is stuck in the league. Right. I mean, the only guy who's been on a two way, all those guys I just said have been on two ways for the Timberwolves. The only guy who hasn't stuck is Ashton Hagens last year. Right. Who that seemed to be more of a discipline sort of thing on his part. So he's got a good he's got a good track record here too. And I think some of the I think Nathan Knight is interesting as well in exactly. in being a, a a center, a springy center. Like we haven't we haven't seen that next to right. next to Cat either. He's he's a lot. He's, li he's listed at six eight or something. He's so <laughs> at the combine last year he was six eight without his shoes on, which means. Uh -huh. Six, you know, normally nine, like right. six nine, six, nine, six, nine and a half. And a half. Right. So he's one of the guys who was wearing two inch shoes at it, which is not normal. So he's six ten on the combine thing in shoes. Oh, okay. So he's uh no, he's not he's not your your typical center size, but he's Rosa's center size, mm -hmm. right? So right, right. Um, I don't know. He he. I think you'll love him. I I think I think you'll really. He, he's your type. Um, I don't think in summer league he'll really stand out because he's a role player. Right. Um, but but yeah, like. I mean, sadly for the Timberwolves, all the two-way guys have been pretty relevant, like in the, right, the ball right. plate of the rotation. So exactly, if exactly. that if, if that holds, um, you know, they'll, they'll be in the mix here this year with the <laughs> with this Wolves team. So yeah, I mean, to, but it, the point is they did nothing. I mean, it's true, but if you think of all the uh, they did all, the all the times previous regimes did something. It yeah. turned out to be nothing, you know? <laughs> you know, and cost you something, and there was a cost associated. Yeah, exactly, with that. exactly. So I'm not ready to, uh, you know, I, I I let off this thing by saying the Rubio return was not sexy, and it isn't. You know, I mean, right. you, there's no way around that. Um, and it was a little disappointing to me, just because I do think it's a decent chip. Seventeen million dollars is a lot of money. Um, all that said, my position from the jump on this season is, is Chris Finch, should he be given the benefit of my enthusiasm and other people's enthusiasm for the way he took a team at midseason and turned them around in many ways, uh, in some ways by like just dramatically revamping what they were doing on the fly. And so I'm optimistic about that. And then this is kind of dovetails into the way he worked with Anthony Edwards, I think was very effective. I also think Edwards needs to be given credit for how hard he obviously works on his game because his game in very fundamental ways improved, not defensively so much, although some, some, yeah. uh, um, I think his shot, especially from long range got better. I think his decision-making got better. His passing certainly um, became much more in the flow of the offense. Uh, so I'm looking at Finch and I'm looking at Edwards and if they take the kind of steps that they're capable of taking, I think, um, and Kat and Delo stay healthy, then, you know, um, this team 
it's it's better than having a lot of um, somewhat knowns that you say, well, you know, hope they get better, you know. Right. Um, well, it's it's interesting, like a lot of people here are anxiously awaiting a trade or a signing or whatever it might be, you know. Just to have it. Yeah, well, just to have it. And even if it does happen, you know, it's it's probably just one player. And I, I know that there's a scale of if it's Ben Simmons or Miles Turner, then obviously that that's more impactful uh, in terms of shifting the win-loss total. But as we get down to a lot of the you know, the guys who are more making around the mid-level and it's like, oh, I didn't sign anybody for the mid-level. Like, if we're trying to quantify the difference that would make, I mean, it's probably nominal, right? And, right, and really, right, I, right. I was doing a, right before we did this, I was doing a, a live stream with um, with some people who came on, they can ask questions or whatever. Sure. And uh, and I think his name was Rob, the, the guy who, who brought it up was like, the thing... I, I think we're missing out on and not quantifying and factoring in is this concept that Ant, D'Lo, and Cat all get better. And if that happens, that is not a nominal improvement, right? Yes, like, that's right. There, I mean, now we can start talking about 10 win. You know, that, that like, right, I, right. it's hard to quantify, but right. but when you talk about leaps as a team, a right. leap, a leap, by the team is not going to happen because you bring in Paul Millsap at 36 years old. That's right. It's, it's going to happen because Chris Finch empowers those three in a way that, you know, rises all boats, right? The tide that right. rises all boats, however that goes. Like, yeah, no, I that, know what you mean. That's the, as, as we sit here in free agency and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, wanting that wanting change. Ultimately, I do think the status quo is, I don't love it, but, that that's the thing here is that's the core and right. and and you're looking to find ways to make that better and and it's it's very reasonable to assume that they that those three collectively could get way better than they were last season yes i agree with that i also think that um if they all do get better the obvious area of improvement for all three would be offensively and that's where the rubber will meet the road. Yeah. If they use their improvement on offense to not care or to care about as much as they cared last year on defense, then that's the kind of, you know, that's what makes the Kings, the Kings and the Wolves, the Wolves and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, being able to motivate and, inspire uh, contagiously some sparks at both ends of the court. Um, and that's why a guy like Vanderbilt or a guy like Okogi or whatever, it, the good teams identify guys whose value is defense. Now, obviously that's really magnified in the playoffs and everybody pays attention to these Yaleman defenders. I mean, a PJ Tucker, you know, um, is phenomenal. A guy to have, you know, a Jay Crowder. These guys are great. Or Royce O'Neal, if Utah had gone further. I mean, there are guys that you just identify and you go, whoa, you know, um, really good to have that guy around. And so the Wolves have a few guys like that. McDaniels, uh, Okogie, and Vanderbilt are all people who could qualify for that role. Um, but at the end of the day, the reason why Jay Crowder matters is because Devin Booker got better on, say, de the on defense. Good. 
And 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 the reason why uh, you know the other guys I mentioned uh, are so important. The reason there's a PJ Tucker that is good is because um, Giannis is there, you know, or somebody is going to be able to lock down somebody else. The Bucks won that series with defense. That's very obvious. Um, so if the Wolves want to be taken seriously, and it's a process, if they want to start to get into the playoff conversation this year, which is the first step in the process, then it's more than getting Laurie marketing for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's seeing D'Lo do more than um, it's seeing D'Lo be uh, proactive with his feet as well as his hands on defense. It's seeing Cat um, uh, talking less and doing more about sure. defense. Um, and it's seeing guys like McDaniels and Vanderbilt and those guys not only be good on defense, but settle into a role on defense where you go, all right, that guy is, this is what he does, you know? Um, like for, we love Okogie, right? I mean, it's hard not to love Okogie's defense, but what is Okogie's role? I mean, he's been with the team now, what is it, four years or is it three? This will be Whatever. his fourth, yeah. Okay, so for three years, he's been impressive on defense. But to what end, really, at the end of the day, when he comes in, do you go, oh, the Wolves have gotten a lot better on defense. Good thing Okogie isn't in foul trouble anymore because that guy is shut down. You know, right. I mean, those are the kinds of things that happen if you're a good team defense. Your role player, wing stopper, comes in and does his job. But if he's a good wing stopper that stops that guy and the guy just merely passes somebody else who tortures your teammate, it doesn't matter. So it's, well, that's, that's what that's, has to happen. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point and like kind of to the, you know, Jay Crowder, right? signs for the mid-level with the Suns. And and so I think Timberwolves fans are like, oh man, if we, we want whatever that impact was that Jay Crowder had, we want that on this team. Well, what like what you're saying is Jay Crowder only has that impact because the rest of the Suns were good, right? And Jay Crowder is no fool. Jay Crowder <laughs> left the Miami Heat and went to another team. Yeah, mm -hmm. nobody expected him to go as far as they did, but he wasn't, those guys don't go to the Kings. And those guys traditionally don't go to the Wolves. Well, what I was going to say is other guys do sign for the mid-level, and oftentimes the mid-level ends up being kind of a nightmare for them right, because right. I think of Tristan Thompson last year, right? right That's right. what Bo Boston similarly thought they were getting a Jay Crowder in, in Tristan Thompson. Yeah, that was their mistake. Right. I'll but, never but, forgive them. Daniel Tice, they're dead yeah. to me. <laughs> but but it's it, I think also part of it is the fact that Boston, the rest of Boston, right. wasn't good enough, right? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think Tristan Thompson, not that he'd have a Jay Crowder level impact, but I think Jay, Tristan Thompson has a more of a positive impact on if he's in a, a, a team that's that needs a role player a little bit more right. to get over the sort of hump. So I think the Wolves are at a point where as much as we would like them to be the Phoenix Suns of the, you know, of the next right. season. Right, right. They're not, you know, they're not there. So adding Jay Crowder might end up at being adding Tristan Thompson, if, if that or, makes sense. Or, I mean, yeah, it does make sense to bring up a name you just brought up, a, a, a not totally washed, but certainly past his prime, Paul Millsap, who yeah, would love exactly. to come in, would love to come in and be that guy. But if you can't walk your talk, I mean, he's certainly better than Ed Davis, but, you know, he's not 
Jay Crowder. And mm-hmm. so, and it's been pretty clear that um, he's been on the downward spiral. Um, so, yeah, I, if they sign Paul Millsap, um, I won't say it's a terrible signing if it's a mid-level signing because he's good for locker room and stuff. And maybe he's got a year in him that we don't expect. But, um, you know, right. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't see... I think we're looking at the wrong thing, Britt. I think, I think, and I would say this to Timberwolves fans too. We're looking at the list of remaining free agents right now, right? Of who Rather than make... that third guy who's included in that deal, I was exactly, talking. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that right, that's right. that's what it is. What what you've, and that's a much bigger universe of players. They're not. Yes, it is. We don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, you can't just Google it, right? You can't just Google twenty twenty one free agents. Right, right. Uh, let, let's. Uh, I want to talk about that a little more. Let's take a quick break. You know, Liberty Mutual Insurance customizes car insurance so you only pay for what you need. You know what? Honestly, that's all we really want. You know, fairness. We want it in sports. We want it in life. That's why all sports we love have rules. That's why we have offsides so players don't float down the field or the ice and get cheap breakaways. That's why there are foul poles, sidelines, and out of bounds. In sports, the goal of fairness is built right in. Life doesn't work that way, as we all know, but Liberty Mutual is trying to make insurance work that way. That's what only paying for what you need is all about. And, you know, when you do that, you can also save a lot of money. So switch and save when you customize your car and home insurance with Liberty Mutual and only pay for what you need. What's more fair than that? Way to go, Liberty Mutual. This message was brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company. Visit LibertyMutual.com to learn more. So, Britt, to the the trade market question, I I think, and I don't know, with the risk of (laughs) this being irrelevant because something happened or the risk of, you know, putting my foot in my mouth again of being like, hey, something could still happen. I think something could still happen with the uh-huh. moves. And and it would be in, you know, in the in the trade market along these sort of lines. I, I think maybe I'm a little guilty of overhyping or over talking about Miles Turner, John Collins, Ben Simmons, all that. Um so I'm not right now I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking uh-huh. about other sorts of trades. Mm-hmm. Um the third team sort of way that that you phrased it or um or being strategic with with finding a way to add a player without sending out picks. Because I think that's a dangerous thing right now. I think that will be the worst thing for the Wolves is to pay picks, to dump a Wancho, a Culver, or oh. whatever, to, to bring to bring someone in, yeah. to clear space, to bring someone in in that sort of way. Like, I don't think the team's at that level to be able to be doing that sort of thing. Bad so, teams don't need to get rid of their bad players. They just need to wait. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So they don't need to, well, they can get rid of them provided, well, yeah, but yeah. provided they don't have to pay picks or, or yeah, some sort They don't of, have to mortgage the future. I mean, if you're mortgaging, if you're basically paying interest on your bad decisions, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you came in, you know, if, if, if you totally dismantled the team and you're still having to do that, then that's right. on you. Just eat it, you know, and, and work around it. And, and wait, just wait a year. Yeah. Which is I find, what, it, I find it curious that Culver isn't on the summer league team. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, I would imagine he's severely depressed or feeling like once again, I'm going to show him, you know, land. And uh, either way, it won't mean a thing until real games start. I mean, he could come in and dominate the summer league. I mean, I'd love to see it, yeah. but it isn't real world. And but I also think he needs that kind of 
he needs Oops. to he needs to acknowledge how humble he needs to be to get moving right now. Right. Um, I don't regard him. I regard McKinley Wright as more in the Wolves' plans than I regard Jared Culver. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I to the summer league thing. I mean, I think it could be a bunch of different factors. Um, I know that the Wolves wouldn't send anyone to summer league if they weren't a hundred percent healthy or not even just hundred percent healthy, but the word, the phrasing I hear is fitness level, right? Uh Like they're, you know, their game, not only have they recovered from their surgeries, but their stamina is there, whatever. So you think the ankle is it ankle or ankle just got, maybe he just got back to full, you know, full bore two weeks ago. Right. And, and so his fitness level isn't there. I don't know. Back to the trade market. Broken confidence. Broken. Well, and I think that's probably a factor, too. I think the possibility that he's traded is a possibility, too. Though that's a little damped down by the fact that you see his brothers on the summer league team. Is that his brother, that Culver? Yeah. Is that his older or younger brother? It's actually his older brother. But he, yeah. Um, Maybe he's a spy. Like, remember when Nick Wiggins, Nick Wiggins was on the, the Wolves for a Yeah. Well, that's spot. okay. The Bucks hold a roster spot for somebody like that. I mean, yeah, you know. That's true. That's yeah, true. I mean, you could get. That's true. Um, anyway, so uh, with the trade the 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 thing, yeah, this is what I wanted to say, because I started thinking about it like this today. I think there's ways where you can be the Wolves and get off of money, the Wancho, Culver, Lehman, uh, whatever it, whatever it may be, Prince, and and not have to be trading out picks. But what you would need to do is take multiple years of a player who's probably not worth it. And the name I put out on Twitter was Derek Favors has got dumped over to Oklahoma City. Um, he has two years left on his deal at about $10 million per year. Eric Bledsoe is more expensive. He has like 18, two years left in, in Memphis there. Dwight Powell has $11 million a year for two more years left. None of those guys are worth those contracts. Right. I love none the of last them are two, duds. by the way. I love the last two. I don't like the first one. I think right. Favors is washed. And I was a Favors fan. I approved that deal for Utah. But, oh, mm. my God, he was he was awful. He was slow, so slow. And was he, was, he was slow before, but uh, it's almost like the slowness entered his brain, up from his thighs into his brain. You know what I mean? It just <laughs> he, he didn't. See, this is this is bad. This is bad to hear because I think the most likely of the teams to work with there is Oklahoma City, right? Like if yeah. you're Oklahoma City. Oh yeah, City, without a doubt. Oklahoma City can... just wants to do something every day. Doesn't really matter what it is. <laughs> well, they <laughs> No, I know what you mean. They have I, like 78 draft picks though, so they I, can afford to make five mistakes if they But feel if you're like Oklahoma it. City, if okay, I'll say this. If I was Oklahoma City, I would even though Torian Prince makes 13 Wancho makes seven and Culver makes six. I would love to take on all three of those guys at expiring figures to right. get off of two years of favors. Right. And, and you can and even it, play it as like a damaged process. You know, like these guys yeah. may give you some, you know, pep and, you know. Uh, well, I think they'd all play. I think they'd yeah. all be in the Thunder's right. rotation. Right. And, and, and they'd win like 17 games. Right. <laughs> and, right. But not bad. You know, I mean, it's a, a place filler while everybody right. waits for, you know, SGA may begin to chafe but what are you gonna Mm -hmm. do i that's just where my head is going with trades when we talk about the trade market all right so bledsoe is now with memphis yes like 
in purgatory, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know they want to get off him. I would take Bledsoe. Is it two for two years or three years? I think it's two at 18. Pretty sure. I'd take that. Yeah, you like Bledsoe. He I like Bledsoe. He was not good last year. No, but, but second... it was the first year he wasn't good. And he played for the Pelicans. Did you see yeah. what a shit show that team was? Come uh, on. Everybody should get a pass on the Pelicans. Well, th- this is the type of guy in this situation that has multiple years left, isn't quote-unquote worth his contract, that you believe you can recuperate some of that and it becomes a non-negative asset in, in that sort of way or it, it, it neutralizes, right? And if you can get off of you know, guys who aren't going to have big roles in your team like Wancho and Culver and maybe Prince in exchange for that, I think that makes a ton of sense. I, I think... Again, for some of those teams, I would. It, it's almost like that's a win more for them. They should be attaching picks. I don't think that no, the Thunder would never attach a pick. They just don't care enough right. about about moving the needle. And you know, I don't think Memphis would would either in that way. But it's and, and Powell too. I, I I just think that's what it is. If you're looking, if you if you as we, as we talked about, let's kind of give up on the free agent crop. Right. Right. Let's look at tradable guys and. And I think the guys to look at are guys with multiple years left because that's the way, same as it was with Rubio a season ago, you get a better player for a lower price because they have multiple years on their deal at a bad figure. I have a hard time believing. I don't think this is necessarily a good idea. No, 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 no. Actually, I think it's a good idea. If you could get like... I don't don't know if I want to stack up more If it was Wancho and Lehman for Dwight Powell... I'd throw, I'd throw a pick in there. I'd throw a second rounder in there. I'd See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because because Ooh. now because now you're you're setting up yourself. He is an active four five. That's I what like this Dwight team Powell. needs. Brett, I like Dre Paul. I'm just saying, you are putting yourself in the exact same spot you did a year ago in the James Johnson rookie Rubio trade, where you go, yeah, oh, we got a better Rubio's better than James Johnson. True. The difference is James Johnson's money is about to be gone in a year. And you got to deal with that second year of Rubio. And we saw, like, yes, they were able to turn it into Torian Prince in a second, but that's still not like a clean situation. Totally agree. I, I don't know if it wouldn't just be better to I'm let talking about and play on the expire. court. I'm talking about play on the court, though. And that becomes uh, the question. I, I really do think that Dwight Powell's play this coming season, if he were yeah. on the Wolves, would, would have people excited about his second season. He's active. I mean, active. He defends the rim. I mean, he is. Yeah, he can handle. I, yeah. He can't handle the big dudes like any. You know, but he is actually like a younger, springier, less intelligent Taj Gibson. But he is that kind of guy who can take on the big. While Cat doesn't have to take on the big. He played a lot of center in Dallas. It would be absolute. Like if Dwight Powell were on the Timberwolves, he would have this season. He would have so much more of an impact than the com- combined impact of Wancho and Jake Lehman. Exactly. I, I am acknowledging that, but we do have to acknowledge the opportunity cost of next year having $11 million on your books for a player you probably don't want to play, pay $11 million to. And we're here in the offseason again like, damn, wish they had $10 million more million in flexibility no, I, to be I, able I get to it. do that. That's, I get it. I just want to say that yeah. part. No, and it's I, even I more agree. egregious with Bledsoe because it's 18. Yeah, the thing about Bledsoe... Um, I would just say Bledsoe for Rubio, you know? I mean, yeah, and, and two more years, obviously, at 18 million. That is huge. Mm-hmm. But 
I'd rather have Eric Bledsoe on my team than Ricky Rubio. You know, in in this in this about, ro- in this can roster. I have neither? Can I have neither? <laughs> but I mean, in this roster, uh, you know, we have a D'Lo. Eric Bledsoe is not going to threaten D'Lo at all. He he can handle the ball some. He's less good at it now than he used to be. Um, and there is an indication that um, you know he 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 may be premature Paul Millsap or something. He's maybe <laughs> old, older than he should be, but. Um, he will give you that defensive identity that I think they're looking for. Uh, he's a bowling ball. You know, he's also one of those guys when he goes to the rim, players move. You know, he he, he is – this is what I miss. I, I guess what I, I've just talked myself into this statement. Um, I want more bruisers on this team, goddammit. You know, I there think nobody's shocked to hear you say that. <laughs> there isn't. It, there's just not enough of them. Who is? Who are the bruisers on this team? No, not. They may be the least physical team in the NBA. I think that's 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 probably that's, a fact, that's, yeah. that's Ant, awful. Ant is the bruiser. Ant yeah, is the bowling ball exactly. to the rim in that sort of way. Right, and that's awful. That's awful that uh, you know it's a, man, a little bit. It's a man's league. Okogie and Vanderbilt are great in in terms of what they do. Um, they don't have the little. They don't have the nastiness of veterans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, guys, you really need a guy who's been in the league like eight years to be the kind of bruiser. That's why I, you know, I tweeted it out. I wasn't, I wasn't in jest, but I wasn't really earnest when I said it'd be fun to have Aaron Baines playing next to Cat. It would, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be fun to watch? You know, he looks like a Mongolian sumo wrestler already. You know, <laughs> and just to have him out there, you know, just bouncing around, bashing people and. Running to the three-point line and chucking it up, I think it would be a blast. You know, if if I, I know you're trying to have a serious conversation about no, trade, no, no, so. no, no. I wanna, I wanna. <laughs> no, that's we're, we're we're done with that. It's it's, okay. it's such a hypothetical. It's your, so, it's your, your three examples are all good points, I think, because they're all guys who used to be something, and they're <laughs> they're less now. Uh, I would say that Powell probably didn't rise to the level of a favors or a Bledsoe and is probably the best of the three right now. Uh, I would also say yeah, that the best Bl- season last year for sure. Yeah. And, and, and Bledsoe last year was the first year since his rookie season with that awful Clippers unit that Bledsoe did not help his team on off where the, his team was actually worse. And that was with a, uh, you know, I don't know what happened to Stan Van Gundy. I used to love him, but man, he did an awful job coaching last year. And, uh, I think it just infected the entire team. There isn't anybody on the Pelicans that you could say, even Zion. I mean, as good as he was, uh, where you go, whoa, what? You know, that guy had a great year, right? You know, and the guys that did, Lonzo is traded now, you know, right. or, or signed somewhere else. The uh, the one thing I resisted uh, texting you about or sending you a notation about yesterday uh, was how about uh, Joseph Blair's answer to my question about drop yesterday? Great, great answer. I know that right. was music to your ears. He oh, may read baby. you or something, you know. But I, he's absolutely right, of course. And David Vanterpool had to be swearing somewhere in the distance. And uh, <laughs> and Al uh, Horford, man, he, he didn't pull any punches out. Well, if, if except the, the Celtics. Did you see? I mean, talk about somebody who anytime you want to think about perceived value of players, Al Horford is junk. 
to like 80% of the NBA. <laughs> the Celtics love him and he fits the Celtics for whatever reason. He's a great locker room guy. They missed him. Um, and they, they moved some mountains to get Al yeah. Horford. And so uh, it does, it gets to the point where um, I think it's refreshing to hear a guy. Um, the other answer he did that I really liked was uh, what are you hoping to get out of this? And he said, no, oh, what are the players hoping to get out of it? You know, that's, you know, it's like uh, if we give the ball, we roll the ball out to Jaden McDaniels and turn him loose, as he said, you know, right. just to see what it's going to be like. And they did a little of that, quite frankly, in the second half, he was definitely off the dribble a lot more, but he wants to have fun. There's an element of him. He's going to be great to coach kids in the broiling heat of Las Vegas um, where he just says, you know, here, let's just have fun. There's nobody on this roster over six, nine. Let's just, you know, let's bounce around and play ball. You know, um, if listeners, if you don't want, know what I'm talking about with this, the answer uh, that, that Joseph Blair gave, I, I, I posted on Twitter. You can, you can go look at it there, but basically, I mean, this is a conversation Britt, you and I have had for, since we've known each other, I think about you know how the the best way to use cat defensively. You've and, been steadfast, and yeah, and since whether it be Tibbs or Ryan Saunders or Chris Finch, largely, yeah, and, um, and Vanterpool probably and Vanterpool, was either yeah. the scapegoat or the architect. You know who knows, but I, I think architect. I mean, it's what yeah, he did in Portland, he, exactly. So, so basically, the idea of of drop coverage and as joseph blair said is it works if your center is gigantic where it has good hands i love that i love that too yeah um and and i think a a big reason for me that i've never believed in cat in that role is as he struggles with the cat and mouse part of it where it's you know coming up to the ball handler leaning back you know to to take away the lob threat which is a difficult thing to do he's always struggled with that but i think a real crux of the issue with with cat is always been that he's not that big he is not he is i mean the teams around the league that run drop at an elite level or not not even elite level the teams that run drop and don't suck at it are we could list them off it's the philadelphia 76ers with joel Embiid. it's the utah jazz with rudy gobert it's the milwaukee bucks with brooke lopez you know it's these teams that have gigantic fives there right and and Cat is not the same size as those people, as a human. And, and he's and, listed, uh, I think, alternately 6'11 and 7 feet and 245. He does not look it on no. the court ever. Well, and, and, and that's something from, we, we've spent plenty of, stood right. next to him, you know, plenty right. of times. And right. that's what, one of the cool things about having access and, and say, I mean, seeing other people. and You're, you know, go, you're not seven feet. No, he's not. I mean, Carl, Carl's not <laughs> right. seven feet tall. Right. I mean, and you know that after you've stood by uh, Rudy Gobert before. Right. Yeah, right. right. Like, it's it's just, it's not the same thing. Right. And, and and so I, I'm very in, encouraged by what I kind of perceived as Joseph Blair's dismissiveness of that, that type of scheme, unless this team were to have a gargantuan five, which so long as Gerson Rosas is at the helm, those players are all X'd off the list as even, you know, a possibility. Right. Right. So, I mean, connecting. And some Nas dots. is even worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Nas, Nas is even shorter than cat. 
Well, and and more prone to falling down. <laughs> also that, <laughs> also that, which so, matters on a drop scheme for, for sure, for sure. <laughs> they're, well, they're both guys who I think are are better activated with aggression and like what, and finesse. What? I mean, yes. using their aggression to finesse things. You know, I I actually think I actually think Nas, you know, Nas would be a guy who who could get out and switch for the first action. I don't think he's one where you could, you could get out and switch and then there's a dribble handoff and he could get again. Like, I don't think he's flipping his hips and doing that sort of thing. We're not talking about bam at a bio, but I think he's, I think he's active enough to do, to do one there. I think Carl is at least good enough to do one. I'm cautiously optimistic that, you know, we've seen him be restricted to right. not even being able to show his athletic skill set defensively. We're talking cat now. Cat, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, right. I and so I you know, I would just be, you know, I'd be I'd be curious to I'd be curious to see it. I'd be curious to see a lineup with Vanderbilt at the five and just switch everything. Go chaos with the second. That's year. cool. Nathan Knight, I love that right? idea. Yeah. I love like, that if they, especially if they do X outs in the mm-hmm. paint. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I mean it's possible when, you know, people are just kind of milling around in that, you know, area. Absolutely. So uh, it's just, yeah, uh, obviously people, I, I don't even want to know how many hours worth of time I've spent talking about this over the years with you or otherwise, but um, selfishly. Well, as somebody, as somebody who was more amenable to the drop scheme than you were, I will confess that um, it's less that the drop scheme was terrible. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't ideal, but it was more that... Uh, Cat does seem to be at least at least as good at non-drop scheme actions as he is his drop scheme actions. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, that activates your team defense a lot more because you don't have under the Rosa system, you don't have another guy who can help in the drop scheme situation. I mean, Brooke Lopez is fabulous. Don't get me wrong, but it's wonderful to have Giannis and, uh, <laughs> you know, PJ Tucker around mm-hmm. for the ride, you know? And, so, and I don't think like I don't think you never do it with cat. I mean, there's there's always if they, if, the, they, if they play small ball, uh, then you don't. But if they play, you know, or or if they're playing against if they're playing against Memphis, right? right. And that loves and, to do it. Well, well, and, and loves to come at you, right? Like, or I, I don't know. Maybe that's not a good example because they're good at floaters. But if it's a ball handler who you're not scared of making half of their open mid range shots, right. then like then sure go ahead drop but right. again for me the problem i've had with it is the dogmatic approach to the belief that it is the right thing to do that it's the quote unquote the analytically right. Right. sound thing to do all the time and and the the again the the story you wrote and you quoted Gerson Rosas on where he said we are trying to allow teams to take the shots that we're trying to not take right i think that sounds a lot better than it plays out in practice because mm-hmm. because there's a difference in being given something when you then taking something right right and and if you're if you're playing against another team that isn't giving you mid-range shots and you're still taking them that's a terrible idea but if a team is giving you mid-range shots and you have players who can hit them or not even just hit them work from that area and in, and increasingly that is becoming that's coming back as a skill. 
yeah, the, the playoffs certainly, you know, suggest that. I don't think we'll all of a sudden see people stop shooting threes, but like it's. But but if you look at Ja, Luca, I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of good floaters out there now. Yep, the the floater has has certainly you know pro- progressed in that sort of way. You got a lot of Middletons out there who can, right. can hit that too. I I just uh, yeah, I I'm I'm excited to see something different and quite frankly, think it'll make things a lot better. <laughs> I just, right. I, I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be surprised if we're like, and even if we are, even if, even if cats getting cooked a couple times in the perimeter. Yeah. Like people take clips of that and be like, Oh, cat can't guard on the perimeter. Well, let's see how it plays out. Let's, sh- right. let's look at the right. numbers, 30, 40 games into the season. And, and you know what? It's not a high bar to be better than it has been. And That's right. I would, I would bet on the over. Or the under, whatever the better side. You, you, I would you'd, bet improve, better. You, you'd bet on defensive. You think they'll be better defensively this year? <laughs> if they don't, if they don't run, drop. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, let, let's face it, though. Uh, I don't know. They were, were they were worse under Fitch. Yeah, I mean, it may it yeah. it it looked better in its own way, but uh, Finch, Finch did some thing. Finch did some things. I mean, conceding rebounds or whatever you know that scheme just, wasn't good either yeah right no that I scheme wasn't good either it was right, right, it was right. undisciplined and it looked inspired but it was ineffective they were running around really looking like they were hustling and they were almost always late i i think i think chris finch's thought process on that was pretty simple what they were doing doesn't work we don't know what yet we can do but i'm just gonna unleash these i am not guys. going to give them an excuse I'm not going to give them an excuse to stand around in their position. Right. It's just, God, I mean, having your base defense be the most conservative scheme you can run while also ardently committing to being the smallest team in the NBA, that doesn't make sense. That that doesn't make sense. That has never made sense. And that they press those two buttons, it it makes a million times sense that they've sucked at defense for two years. It's not like, I don't know. So excited for change. I'm excited for change. Yeah. And I get the impression, although he seems like a real genial guy in the first media session, you know, I watched from yesterday, but Blair is the head knocker. I think, you know, Finch is the guy who is yeah. really the X and O's guy. And Blair is the guy who goes, you're not hustling, you know, right. Come to yeah. the woodshed, you know, no, I'm excited to ask him more about that, and because I think it was quotes in Chris's story or something that it wanted to be 15th on defense, but that will only be found through effort and and those. And I, I exactly. agree with that. Like, I totally agree with. I, that. I I think quite frankly, if they were listening to us talk right now, they would they would scoff at what I just said that this is like could could fix things because they're they know that schemes don't fix things. Schemes plus defensive engagement fit things it doesn't matter what they run here's what schemes do though not engaged schemes run diligently and thoroughly do generate trust i mean you know your guy is going to be there you know you're he's there in the scheme and i think that trust is important um but i also got to say that some of it was um they just didn't have any defenders yeah. You know, aside from Okogie. So I, uh, what I a saw. a hard scheme to execute. What I saw Finch do, the, the, the games where, especially the parlay where he, where McDaniels guarded um, 
Doncic and Harden. Back-to-back games, right? Yeah, and and that was a situation. It wasn't a you know a box and one or anything, but it was clearly you're my guy to neutralize this. You other guys have to do the stuff to help that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a plan to some extent, you know, and it's not a quote unquote scheme and, and it is relying on the great ability of one guy, but it is an organized plan. What you really mean by a scheme is you go someplace against your instincts, knowing that somebody else will fill the part that your instincts want to fill, you know? Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, then your trust breaks down. But if the scheme is done right and it works right, then you're saying, okay, you know, that guy's got that spot. I got this spot. It's a rotation. Here I go. And not being pausing at all. And meanwhile, having guys who know what they're doing. I mean, talking. And so I'm kind of curious to see who the talkers are this year. That'll Um, be important. Yeah, it will be important. Communication and trust are exactly. 100%. And that's why it's fun. And to, effort. Communication, trust, yeah, and effort. Exactly. It's exactly. got to be a good uh, acronym out of that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I was uh, thinking the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, Summer League. Uh, Jalen Noel, Jade McDaniels. Uh, yeah. I've, I've certainly been out in Vegas and watched far less inspiring Timberwolves Summer League rosters than that. Or and they're both good laid-back dudes. So that's yeah. what's going to be fun about it is that um, – Neither one of those guys is going to be banging on the door asking for the keys. And they're flipping mm-hmm. the keys to those guys. Right. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think that's fun. I think that's smart in that you're not auditioning for your uh, uh, 10, 11, 12 positions. You're seeing if your eighth man can become a sixth man or if your defensive stopper can be something more. Uh, those are the kinds of things that this team needs to do because they lost last year's summer league and didn't have a training camp. And really still, you know, we stopped talking about how unfamiliar they are with each other, but it still kind of applies. And right. so it is good that um, nobody really, you know, there's 15 or however many guys there are on the roster, you know, nine of them aren't going to matter, you know? And so um the summer league roster. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, I like their approach. I like their approach of identifying. They've identified for us, hey, we're going to let this guy do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those are meaningful opportunities that they wouldn't have within the normal context of the team. And Jane that's McDaniels, what they said. Right. Yeah. Right. Jane McDaniels is never going to get the chance to be an initiator and a creator in the context of a lineup that has. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. He would never get this opportunity organically on the team. And why? that's why... Unless somebody- he's invited to. See, that's the thing I think that it would be good about this is if a defense is a good enough to take away the first two or three options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And McDaniels can burn. So it's kind of like... I, meant it as I, a mean, I hate option. to use it, but like Lou Dort goes for 40. How does Lou Dort go for 40? <laughs> because they're trying to shut down everybody else. And right. Lou Dort can do that. You know, that's the kind of thing. If if McDaniels can be that kind of guy, you know, like ignore me at your peril. You know, at least you need to pay attention a little bit, you know. Well, I I also think for him, I mean, McDaniels is such he is a a swing character in in when we talk about these these next three years and 
I know half the people hate when I talk about the two, the, the Cat and D'Lo timeline versus right. the Jaden and Ant kind of timeline. You know, but, David Brower and I spent quite a bit of time on it while we were out there together. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What, he, what did Brower say? He came say? up with it on his own, you know? Oh, he said, well, I wonder if, uh, and he wanted to talk about, you know, he was all for the uh, uh, Ant timeline. Mm-hmm. Well, you make a stronger case for the Ant timeline if you can really believe that Jaden McDaniels can be more than a three and D player. Right. And, and many of us, both of us included believe he can, but we don't know that. Right. Like there is definitely a possibility where, you know, Jaden can get better at what he did next year, but maybe doesn't have a ton more offensive seal that, that if, and if that's the case, then, you know, you don't have two young stars, but if Jaden, if you can get, confident in the idea that Jaden McDaniels can be a lot more than he was last year, that he can be a, a creator, a secondary creator, a primary creator and, and a peck and roll player and isolation player, those type of things. And you start feeling confident about that. Well, now the aunt Jaden window starts making a lot more sense because Jaden has a lot higher of a ceiling. And this is going to be our first indicator really right. To what right. that looks like is summer league, and I know everyone knows summer league, blah blah blah. I think it matters. I I, I think it it matters, and and will be. It's the first. It's the first clue to to what Jaden McDaniel's can be more. You know what, what, what is it, uh, can be a cool time uh, template or comp for me is Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. because you know he his first couple of years in the league, certain way, he was important to the Phoenix's offense. And most of it was standing in the corner, but every now and then he wowed you. I mean, when he got like 14 yeah. in the first quarter or one of those playoff games, they some of that was off the dribble. And so uh, having that kind of a guy, like we don't know to this day, we know it's a lot further than we thought a year ago, but Miles Bridges may become a number three guy in your offense mm-hmm. in a meaningful way, you know, like a 17-point game, game guy, you know? And, and I – I think offensively, you can hope that Jaden McDaniels can be more than that. I think I think Jaden McDaniels. Hear me. I know right. Miles. He's already a very good player. Right. I think Jaden McDaniels, from what I've seen, can be a player who has more shake than what Miles hmm. Bridges has. I, uh-huh. I think that could. Yeah, be I, uh, that's a good. Uh, I don't know if he has the touch that Miles Bridges has. Right. Right. But and, I agree with you that those. That's the difference. And I think he Bridges got, he, is a better shooter. Yeah. I, well, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. Touch. And so, but but if we're talking about ceiling for Jay right. McDaniels, I think a lot of the, I mean Miles Bridges is the name that a lot of people throw out there. And I'm ta- when I'm talking about ceiling, I think you're hoping it can be more than Miles Bridges because you're hoping it can be a a person, a primary creator. I think right, a, a, it's situationally a primary creator. I think Bridges is a tertiary one and a backup option, and it's a swing out, no, take one dribble into a 15 footer. Like I think that's him. That that's different than. What I'm envisioning as a you're thinking like uh, maybe a Marcus Morrison. Uh, yeah, that's actually a kind of good one. Yeah, he has got, he's got good shake. He's just so much thicker than Jaden, so it doesn't. <laughs> right. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's but like he a he he'll take one. over sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's what you're what you're hoping for. And I mean, I when I asked Jaden about you know who who he's watched and who he wants, he to, said Paul George. He right. said Paul George, which obviously doesn't. Is it, it makes a lot of sense to me, though, because I'm Paul George, about. you don't know what he's going to do when he has mm-hmm. the ball. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Jaden is talking about. And that's a product of the shake. 
That's what, yeah, exactly. But that's yet what, that's what I mean by that, about. I guess. Now, the key is what we haven't seen yet. We've seen Jaden time his cuts and score in the paint. But I want to see, I want to see dribble penetration through traffic. Then he's yeah. Paul George, you know. Then, well, he's got to put then, on then. weight for that. Yeah, he does. He, I, I was looking it up. You remember Paul George rookie year? It was like skinny. Yeah. I so 195? Up, no. So no, uh, Paul okay. George, when he came out at the combine, he was 215. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Skinny I, he, Paul George was even 215. Jaden's 180. Exactly. Maybe 185 exactly. now. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So he's, he's going to, if he's ever going to be whatever you just said, of having that little bit of power to go through people. Right. He has to add weight, if not just, or just really good wiry Kevin Durant type of strength, right? Right, Skinny right. dude, wiry strength. Like, right. So, again, this is all very much a, a, a ceiling type of conversation, but we don't, there's nothing to indicate from Jaden McDaniels's film of last year, really, that, that we've seen him do any of this stuff. Right. And, and that's why it's going to be important to see it now, and it's going to open up your ideas or close down your ideas for not close them down, but you know what I'm saying? Temper your expectations. Right. For, sure. For what is, for what his ceiling can be. So I'm really interested to see that. And then also Jalen Noel, um, a, a guy I like um, who, who I think has two specific flaws in his game um, that leave him kind of in between positions. I think as a point guard, he doesn't have natural point guard instincts to be able or hasn't and shown quickness, them and quickness exactly to be able to distribute in that sort of way. If he's playing the one, he hasn't shown that yet. And then at the two he's undersized and has struggled, you know, to, to take on the physicality as a six, four guy guarding six, seven guys. And so he talked to that this today, this morning when we talked to him, exactly. you know, and he, he talked about um, strength as opposed to lateral mm-hmm. quickness. Um, yeah. He just basically said, you know, he also said, like, not to give up. If you're stronger, you're not giving up. It's almost like he was—he acknowledged that he did not have the strength to keep deterring somebody when they were almost past him, so he followed mm-hmm. them, yep. you know? And now, if he bulks up a little bit, at the very least, you can jostle somebody on the way by and probably get away with it if you have enough interior strength to do that. Guys who are really strong on the perimeter, like Jimmy Butler— Jimmy Butler gets all the calls and doesn't get any calls when he's on defense. And that's because he's a strong dude. You know, um, he doesn't look like he's doing things to you, but, but he is, you know, I, I think, I, I think for Jalen, his first year in the league where he didn't play at all, he spent a lot of time in Iowa. And when guys right. came up and got opportunities, Nas Reed, Jordan McLaughlin, even Keelan Martin, we're all getting opportunities over him. I think it was a real learning experience for him in that he came to realize that if I'm going to play in the league, I have to guard. Right. And and I don't think that was his wiring prior to that year. Right. And and I think as a guy whose natural instincts are or the way he's always played is to be a gunner and a shooter and a scorer right. his whole life. I think it's impressive awareness as what a 22 year old right. to be like, hey. I know I got that. I know I got the. I know I can shoot it. I know I can. I can do all those sort of things. I'm not going to last in the league if I don't guard. And I think. And, and I, you, I think he you, has that awareness. To your point, I mean, you were the one that emphasized this, and he knew this. He's not a catch and shoot guy. He's an yeah. off the dribble jump shooter. Yep. 
and he does. I mean, he, I, he loves to lean in. He loves to, uh, you know, uh, create off the dribble for himself. And That's to be honest, J.R. Smith more mold. And, and it does suit a certain type of point guard position mm-hmm. play. So, I mean, it seems weird to say this, but I mean, he is somebody who's better at creating for himself uh, than he may be other people right now. Um, But in a manner that. um, Those are the two things he's got to work on though. Yeah. If he can show, if he can check at least one of those boxes, can I create for other people when I'm playing the one? Can I guard at the two check even one of those boxes? And I think he's a rotation player in the NBA on a, you know, on a, on a team. I think that's entirely possible. And I think that the really positive aspect of him is I think he takes, he doesn't just tell us things we want to hear. As media. So. That, He's taking stuff either. to the bank, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I wonder about D'Lo, for example, where the D'Lo says, yeah, I'm going to do this. Do you yeah. believe him? I don't know. You know I mean? A lot of yeah. times I don't believe him. You know what I mean? Well, I, think, I, you know, I think part of that is too, and, and I don't, maybe I talk about this too much, but it helps to have had face-to-face experience with guys right, right. Um, with the mics are off. Jalen, was in the locker room and on the team the year when we were actually in the locker room and stuff. And you kind of get a sense for what people are like in that sort of way and get a right. better read on them. Right. So I think I agree with what you're saying about Jalen, because I have had those conversations with him in that sort of way. D'Lo, you or I, I mean, very sparingly have ever had right. that. And that's why you or I, or John or Jace, or Chris, whoever, I don't think any of us have a great feel for D'Lo because 99% of our interactions with him have come through Zoom after True. a game in those True. sort of situations. So it's... Plus, I think me. he's really yeah. circumspect. I think he, he's telling us exactly what he wants to tell us. He's not telling... He's There's no... Like, for me, for example, there's no filter between my head and my tongue. You know? I just I know. say what... I, know I, that. Yes. I say what's on my mind. I think that there is a very serious filter between what D'Lo thinks and what he says. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Does he remind you of anyone you've covered before in that way? Hmm. I, I, Weirdly enough, I mean, uh, it's weird because I asked John J- the same question. J.R. Ryder. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Because J.R. Ryder is such a yeah, such an acting out guy. You think he's kind of a clownish guy? Actually, when you were with him in the locker room, he was very thoughtful and very uh, considerate I think too. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's very considerate yeah. in his opinions, and he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. It's almost like he's testifying before Congress or something, you know? It's, yeah, it, and it, it, that it, to be clear, this isn't a you know a, a bad thing. It's 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 a, no. it's a different wiring than it's a lot actually of the to Delo's advantage to keep yeah. it to himself. You know, that's true. Or why, to just why, be, you know. or to be tactical about it. Yeah, and and hard to read. The, the name John threw out when I asked him this, I hope I'm not speaking out to her. He, he said Rashad McCants. Ah. <laughs> Actually, I had, a, I had a different relationship with Rashad McCants. Right. But not that it was uh, – he was a guy – Well, we were just both saying – I mean, for me, and I haven't covered – I didn't believe a lot of what Rashad McCants said, you know. Well, and you know, and I just got through saying that, you know, sometimes I don't believe D'Lo. So it's yeah uh, it's not but that again, they're trying not to, a bad thing but it's not that they're trying to snow you but they're not trying to that they they want to keep they're not going to tell you everything because they're suspicious and mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that i mean but right. shod mccants was a little bit more free low you know the times i saw him he was different you know 
which obviously way the guys who have no filter guys like jj barrea or or peck (laughs) when peck and barrea would get into their comedy act man those were good times (laughs) yes um i hope we're back in the locker room someday don't think that's gonna be this year (laughs) yeah maybe i don't even know i don't even know what summer league's gonna congratulations on all you unvaccinated folks (laughs) you've really fucking done it well, Britt, um, I'm going <laughs> to see you in Vegas in, what, three days, two days? That's right. Whatever. What's today? The fifth? So, yeah, yeah. three three days from now, we'll be, you know, ensconced. Mm-hmm. I'll be, you know, toiling away at the Red Roof Inn. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that, that that fits my my viewpoint of how things should go, you know? It does. Keep it, it, does. Keep it close to the vest and uh, kind of wing it. Be around as close as possible for as little money expended as possible do so, you want to do you want to tease what you're working on you want to is that not finalized uh, i don't know tease? you know i mean uh i've asked i want a full-blown q a with finch and uh, you know mm. that's what i'll be working with uh i don't know if that will happen um and there's a couple of other things i've stated to them that i want to do um but i don't know i mean this will actually be the first time that i've dealt with this current iteration of wolves media on on large plan projects, you know, mm, right. um, because, um, you know, I just uh, didn't have that opportunity much last year, whether it was because I wasn't vaccinated and I wasn't going in or that they weren't having games or giving us access in that way. To but be clear, it wasn't yet vaccinated. Yeah, yes, exactly. And so I do think that um, they, I seem to get along with the people in the media now. I got along with the last regime, but, you know, there was a time I went to, I, di- I did a David Vanterbilt story where I went to Oklahoma, we Oklahoma yeah. City and uh, uh, Dallas and never talked to the people I was going to be talking to, you know. So uh, you never know. You can only hope that uh, they understand what you want to do. And, you know, my policy is all I you in the old days, haha, you know, my old guy rant is that I would just go do it. You know, you can't yeah. do that now. I just go talk to the guys and set it up myself. But, you know, even the coach, you know, I'd walk up to Finch and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm doing this story on you. What do you want to do? I'd say that to flip for somebody all the time. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the media folks get mad at you. You know, you're rec- you're stepping on their game. You know, they've got a, a, a template of what what's going on. Right. And. And so, you know, that's a difference. That's the way it goes. It's what, what I what I will say, and under normal times, Summer League is great for that in, in terms of access and, and all those things. It's, it. I mean, it reminds me of like AAU tournaments when I was a kid and stuff where everything's yeah. just, everyone's right around and it, it's great for that. I don't know what that's going to look like right. in this post I know, it is weird. COVID well, I was world. just in Vegas, uh, not an NBA thing, but, um, you know, out there to, fly to and from out of there because I thought I was going to tie it in with some league and enough said about that. But essentially people are blase. Let's put it that way. LA County uh, was pretty serious. But I don't know what the NBA is going to be. That's what's going to be interesting in terms of the NBA that I understand. Yeah. Vegas isn't going to care, but but, a a good example of it is I think I, I might've told you this before. I might've said it on the pod. I don't remember. Uh, it was at Summer League was where I met Chris Finch for the first time. Oh, yeah. You did tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the, yeah. There's a little tucked away coffee stand uh, at the stadium. And, and I was there and I, 
you know, it was like first thing in the morning, I had like my headphones on, I was waiting in line to get coffee and Kirsten tapped me on the shoulder. And because he was also getting coffee behind me and I was like, oh, hey. And, and he was there with, with Chris Finch. And that was like three years ago. And that's why I thought Chris Finch would be there. <laughs> And you were right. Coach, I, was, yeah, I, was, right. I was right. So. And poor Ryan Saunders was happy asleep in his room somewhere. <laughs> Something like that or like uh, on a Peloton or whatever. Um, right. But uh, I, I, I look forward to you having the chance to experience summer because at a minimum, it's just uh, it's fun to be around. The last summer league like thing us. I did was in L.A. I mean, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. long has Vegas has been going on, like 25 years. So it yeah. is funny. No, yeah. it's uh, I, I don't know if the full gamut of, of people will be there, but I know some of the people that you know we're friends with, even Sharks, who Sharks is cancer, and he's gonna nice. He is gonna be there. How yeah. is he doing? Um, better for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting he's getting his treatment, and you know he's he's attacking it. He's, he's actually been doing a lot of work. He's he's been writing a lot. I noticed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I actually talked to him on the phone for a while the other day, and he's he's in in good spirits. I try and be the friend who doesn't. That talks to him about the NBA and not cancer. So um, right, right. I'm excited to see him in person. I know you like John too. He's a great guy. And, yeah. And all those guys, like that's what's right. great for us is all these people we read and interact with on Twitter and all that. It's cool to. Chris has got a new book out. Yeah. Chris Herring. Yeah. 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 Chris, remember when Chris used to be around all the time? Yeah. Tibbs era. All, yeah, the, man, all the national media used to come through. Right. Remember right. Malika was here like full time that one year and now she's yeah. doing the. Yeah, that she was, was that was finals. after Tibbs, though. I think that might have been the first. No, Rosa no, she, she was she was. Was Tibbs. it there? That's why she yeah. was here because she was on the Bulls. Summit. And and Ricardo, Ricardo, yes, yes. I love Ricardo, man. Oh man, yes, Ricardo's. Shout Ricardo's out to Ricardo. Yeah, he might even be listening. listening. He guy's <laughs> omnivorous. Uh, he is. He is. Well, Brett, I'll uh, I'll see you in Vegas on Sunday, and um, I think we'll do. You and I'll do another pod out there, and we'll, sure, we'll figure out what's in the state of art studio. Yes, that is not completely finished as I understand it, but oh, we'll have we we'll have we'll have some sort of. Will you there. have your equipment? I'm gonna have my equipment, and I'm not bringing my equipment. Yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> your mic. <laughs> I'm not bringing the mic that you bought me. <laughs> uh, no, we'll 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 make something happen. I'll have my stuff, and we'll use their stuff too. So it'll be it'll be fun. I look forward to it, and I look forward to doing doing pods when we're there and seeing what what all happens. Sounds good. All right, he's Britt. I'm Dane. I'll talk to you then. Uh, peace out. Feeling man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah